Today's conversation includes issues around abuse that may be triggering for some listeners. This episode is made possible by Maori Audio and The Abstract. All right, let's drop the needle. It's one thing to understand it cerebrally, and it's something completely different to understand it in your soul, in your heart. Life beyond work feel disconnected? Press pause and listen in. Talk Human to Me, a show for entrepreneurs with nothing about entrepreneurship. Founders take a break and reconnect with personal stuff that matters to them. I'm today's host, Jeff Shao. In this episode, I talk with Richie Nunez, the founder and creator of La Segunda under Latinx America Media. But what he does only makes up part of who he is. Instead, we talked about stuff like anger, anxiety, addiction, and how he used to carry his injuries when really he needed to sit down and heal. So grab a seat and kick back as our guest reconnects with parts of their identity that got left in the dark and rediscovers the foundation of who they are. We start each episode the same way. What about humans strikes you the most? I would say the emotion that we're capable of. I think it really is dependent upon the way that you were shaped from the very beginning. I mean, your upbringing really has an impact on your outlook on life. And I think with that, the emotions that that carries, right? Everything from jealousy, envy, happiness, anger, those are things that I myself have been figuring out, uh, especially as I dig deeper into into myself and you know the things that shape me as a person. What are some of the emotions that you've seen people carry around you and even for yourself right now that have really impacted you in a positive or negative way? Yeah, I think that being the son of immigrants, of Chilean immigrants, that had a huge impact on me growing up because there was definitely some hardship there. Not really knowing at some points where we were going to live and, and really having to sacrifice. Uh, just to give you an example, my parents and I, I was born in Hayward, uh, raised in Union City, and we used to live in a trailer. And so going through that uncertainty at times, figuring out just that entire situation, like where it was that we were going to live, uh, really created a lot of anxiety uh, in my life. And that's something that still impacts me today. And as I've dug in deeper into my own mental health, uh, I've come up with tools to be able to control that anxiety better. But it's still something that permeates me even when I don't want it to. That's something just off the top of my head that is something that is from the past and that is still present in me today. Has anxiety always been something that you've been aware of throughout your life? Or was it only something that you've come to realize is deeply seated in you recently? It's strange. It's something that I was aware of, but sometimes it was so consuming that I just was the anxiety itself, right? And I think now I've been able to, you know, go into therapy, taking care of myself, reading up on it, educating myself on what it is. I've been able to zoom out a little bit more. And there's a lot of power in that and being able to identify like, oh, like I'm anxious right now. And then from there, just getting accustomed to doing the things that lessen that anxiety. You just mentioned that you go to therapy right now. I know sometimes therapy can be a very big stigma 
in especially immigrant communities. My parents are immigrants as well from Taipei. There's an overall stigma around mental health. Do you talk about that with your family? Yeah, definitely. So I actually agree with you, and especially in immigrant communities, I feel like mental health does have a huge stigma. And it was something that wasn't really talked about with me when I was younger. And then I realized the older that I've gotten, I want to take care of myself in any way possible. I think that at the root of that is just wanting to find peace and happiness. And regardless of outside forces telling me, you know, that that's bad or there's a stigma associated with it, I just finally decided, you know what, I'm just going to show up for myself regardless of what that looks like. And for me, therapy, having that weekly ability to have the safe space to talk about the things that are making me anxious and being able to identify that process of anxiety is really powerful. And that is something that I won't ever stray away from. Now that I've found what I guess you can describe as a, as a tool, this tool helps me build and be a better person. And that's something that I, don't, I won't sacrifice for, for anything, regardless of stigma. You have a very strong foundation of principle and sticking with your principles and not compromising them. Is this something that you've gotten from your family, from your father, from your mother? Tell me about them. Where did they grow up? Yeah, so my parents were from a small little city outside of Valparaiso, Chile, called Quilpue. Patricia and Ricardo Nunes. They, I think coming here, that entire experience of immigrating over here, being put in really tough situations and having to figure it out, right? You got bills to pay. You got, you got things that you have to do in order to make it in this country. And they're the hardest working people that I know. You know, my dad is the type of person that we have to convince him to not go to work, even if he has the flu. You know, it's like, dad, like, take care of yourself, you know. And I think that at the same time that that's something that's been, that has impacted my work ethic, it's also something that I identify in not just my family, but I guess I could use a broad stroke and say the Latino community that you do whatever it is that you have to do in order to, to make it. And at the same time that that is something that is prevalent. It's also sometimes, it's not healthy. You have to learn how to say, I'm sick today, I can't go to work, versus pushing yourself through it and making yourself do it. Just tying it back to the anxiety is something that I've just come to learn now as an adult, is that you have to show up for yourself and know how to show up for yourself instead of just being on autopilot. People with immigrant parents, or they are from the immigrant community themselves, from the outside observer, they say, wow, there's such an incredible work ethic. Internally, though, within the family, within the communities, within friends, there is a deeper observation. There is often a complete lack and disregard of taking care of yourself. I've seen so many times families who've kind of sacrificed development or further bonds of relationships or connection on an emotional level simply because they need to work harder. For you, in your journey, how are you reconciling sense of duty, sense of responsibility that you have in so many different dimensions of your life? How are you as a human being trying to reconcile all these different emotional signals that are coming constantly? What's so new for me is being able to realize that of all those relationships, of all those things that I have to take care of, the number one thing that I should be taking care of is myself. Working in tech, working in startups, there's like a lot of buzz around mindfulness. And honestly, I used to think it was just like a bunch of BS, but I started to lean into it. That being complemented with therapy, I realized 
there's so much power in now. And what I mean by that is, I think for most of my life, if there was anxiety, it was just sort of there and unrecognizable. It was just a part of who I was in the moment. And now when my grandmother, for example, and she has dementia and you know, you care about someone, you love someone and you see them like that, that's really difficult. Being able to expand that empathy, not just to her, but to myself, first and foremost, I think that that gives me the strength to take care of her even better. That gives me the the flexibility to take care of anything else that I have to, instead of just adding it to this pile of unrecognized anxiety that I have, or maybe it's like a day that's a little bit more difficult and there's some depression in there, or when it is positive and when there is happiness there, being able to not just have that be a fleeting thing, being able to like be within that happiness in that moment, just being with that feeling, like regardless of what it is, identifying it, which is so powerful, just being like, whoa, I'm feeling really angry right now. Whereas before it would just be anger and having that be the thing that is driving me. And my family in particular, there's this really difficult theme, which is if there's something wrong, you don't really speak about it. You just kind of just let it accumulate. And over time, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And instead of not being aware of that anger getting bigger, identifying it like, oh, like that thing you said actually like really pissed me off. So how can I respect myself enough to identify that and then actually act on it, like actually do something about it instead of letting it swell up inside you and and consume you? I'd like our listeners to know more about one of our sponsors, The Abstract. Let me give the founder, Lala Openi, a quick call. That way we can hear from the human behind the company. Hello? Hey, Lala, this is Jeff. So I wanted our listeners to get to know you and your company a bit better. What value does your company have that personally means a lot to you? With the abstract, our practice is essentially healing and dealing, sharing and caring. Um, This personally means a lot to me because it demystifies mental health work and reminds me that we're all living through the same human condition together. Like none of us lives in a bubble. And in my own journey to healing, it's been a give and take, ebb and flow, rest and recovery, coping and resiliency. Um, It's definitely hard work, but I've learned that sometimes the most profound work I can do is, is to keep things simple take some deep breaths, remember that I love and accept myself and my emotions as they are. There's enough organized chaos and disconnect that we deal with on a day-to-day. Healing and dealing and sharing and caring is not only important, it's revolutionary. You're one of the calmest human beings I've ever met. You are always very even keel. You're always very kind when you're speaking with someone. Even if you're stressed or angry or not particularly comfortable with a moment, you've been in very high stress situations. Is that something that you've always had since you were a child? Is that something that you developed from your parents? And when you see as an insider looking outside to other people who don't have all the obstructions in their life that you do, do you ever feel resentful? Yeah, man. To be able to speak about these things, I think, plainly is not something I've ever had before. It's something that has taken work that I've put upon myself. There is themes of verbal abuse, physical abuse, and if I'm being honest, sexual abuse in my life, that to be able to own those things and 
talk about them i feel like for me there's a lot of power in that right as opposed to just like letting that run your subconscious what i'm doing is bringing them out into the forefront because they're real things and my parents they really taught me to have a lot of respect and empathy for a lot of people everyone that you run into you know as, as somebody that has done events for example it's really important for me to not just have respect for the client but where's the custodians at and let me have a conversation with them and, and let me thank them for their time and what i think is new for me is being able to extend that appreciation and that empathy to myself and i'll be the first one to say like i struggle man i think everybody does but to be able to struggle and own that struggle within yourself is something that's so new for me and i feel makes me just an even more genuine person i think that to a certain extent, I was gaming myself. Just uh, everything's fine, everything's fine, regardless of the stress, regardless of the anger. You know, I'm just going to keep writing. I'm just going to keep doing what I have to do to make it. But the thing is, you can only do that for so long before, you know, anxiety takes over or depression takes over. And I'm finally starting to look inside of myself and uh, look at all the demons that are there. And instead of actively avoiding those demons, I'm sitting with them and I'm talking to them. And I'm saying like, I don't need you anymore. If I do need you, let me evolve in a way that it's something that's controllable. Something that I've sort of developed that's my own outlook is that everyone has this attic in your mind that you could call the subconscious. And as you get older, my process has been, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this. Let me go ahead and store it in the attic. Let me keep storing it in the attic as time passes. And the problem with that is it gets overcrowded in there. At some point, you can't close the door. And that's when you start to have these mental health issues. That's when you start to deal with things in an unhealthy way, be it you know substance abuse or putting yourself in dangerous situations. Being someone that, that used to be a social worker, I'd see young kids cutting themselves. I think I, I get it more to a point now that when you are ignoring and leaving that attic in a state of chaos, it's really unhealthy for you. And so I put it upon myself in the last year and a half to go inside that attic and start just organizing things, throwing things away. There's some things that are too heavy to lift by myself. They are still there. And I, I, don't, I don't think there's necessarily a mountaintop. The journey, I think, is continuous for the rest of my life. Then I have to deal with the things that I've, I've been through. I don't know. I think to have that strength to go inside that attic and I think in that process of dusting and taking out all the cobwebs, there's this mirror in that attic. I've spent so much of my life unintentionally avoiding that mirror and I finally I have the strength to look at that mirror and the re reflection that I see, there's things that I don't like, but I look at those things that I don't like and speak about it plainly to see, oh, these are the things that I have to work on. I don't have to lie to myself anymore. That's actually a lot easier than carrying around these demons with you that I have subconsciously just avoided. What do you think created that subconscious avoidance now that you are able to reflect back? What was it that made you avoid it so that you could carry it and made your mind subconsciously think that you can carry that burden? My parents actually come to mind and something that they told me growing up is when you fall, you know, you fall down, you get back up and you keep going, right? That's that immigrant grind that I was, I was referring to. But the thing is like, 
if you fall, I don't know, say you're, say you're like with your homie, right? And you're you're looking at them and they fall and they break their leg and they try to get up and keep going. You're going to tell them like, yo, bro, sit down, right? You need to heal. And I think that that's very much the same situation with me. And I fell in a, I've, I've fallen a couple of times. And in that process, I broke my ankle. I broke my toe mentally. And I would keep trying to get up and keep going. And see, the thing is that hurts. If anything, that makes it worse. For me, this past year and a half was that identification of, yo, Richie, like, sit down, bro. Look at yourself. Your leg is broken mentally. So what is it that you have to do to put it in a cast? What is it that you have to do to slow down and heal? And that's honestly, like, the hardest part, just even being able to slow down enough to identify it and then to actually act on it and do those things, meditate when I need to, go play soccer when I need to, not depend on substances, and instead identify those feelings and be within them. Or maybe, like, you have a knot in your muscle or something like that. It's really massaging it out. I don't know if you've ever had, like, a deep tissue massage. That shit hurts, man. (laughs) It hurts a lot. But afterward, it feels so good. It goes back to work ethic, right? Talk more about that sense where you feel like you have to truck through everything. Is that something that's still very present in you? I think that that's always going to be my go-to just because that's how it was growing up. Like I had mentioned, my parents say like, you fall down, you get up, but... What if in that process you fall down and breaking your leg? What if in that process you fall down and you break both of your legs? Like, you can't walk, bro. I think that for the longest time, I've been trying to walk around on two broken legs and just inflicting pain on my own self. But the thing is, like, what's the point? What's the point of that, right? Instead of that, how about I sit down, I recognize those things that I have to work on, that I have to heal through, and in that identification, actually do something about it. In that process, it's going to be uncomfortable, but on the other side of that is me being the best version of myself, is me actualizing myself in the universe. And that's what I aim for. And sometimes I slide back and I realize I'm doing the same unhealthy patterns and to be able to now see that and in that process again just identify and do something something that my therapist gave me which is really powerful is curiosity and kindness is those two things right is just being able to be curious about hey like i'm feeling like this and not really judging yourself for it instead just being able to be kind and extend yourself empathy that i that i normally give other people you know i'm always so kind to other people but in that process i've always really forgotten myself I guess you can kind of see it as I had been talking about a mountaintop. There's homies that you have on the journey. There's coworkers. There's family. What, I, what I've constantly been trying to do is give everybody a piggyback ride. But the thing is, like, you can only carry so much, you know? How about instead of that, getting into the habit of showing up for yourself and saying, like, hey, this is too heavy for me. I need you to get off. Why don't we walk up together? That collaboration with self. It's always been collaboration with other people but not really being able to identify what I need. And I guess, I I don't know, maybe I always viewed it as selfish, but the thing is, it's not. In that process of being able to serve yourself, you can actually serve other people even better because you know that you're in alignment with with you. And that's something that is so new for me. It's something that I have to work on every day. It's something that is so powerful. It's something that's so healing. And it's, it's something that I'm doing for the first time in my life. I'd like our listeners to know more about one of our sponsors, Maori Audio. Let me give the founder, Mauricio Escamilla, a quick call. That way, we can hear from the human behind the company. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Mauricio. So, I wanted our listeners to get to know you and your company a bit better. What core value of Maori Audio personally means a lot to you? Maori Audio is the culmination of my love for music, sound, and expressive production. 
Drawn to music and sound at a young age, I decided to focus on the science of it all, how to capture and truly make sound as emotive and powerful as it needs to be in order to fully move and impact the viewer and listener. A core value would be working with those whose voice needs to be amplified. I've had the pleasure of working with many independent artists, producers, and filmmakers to make their production as strong as it can be. Amplifying the voice of the voiceless, specifically marginalized people, is a big part of my work, and it brings me joy and fulfillment as a person of color from immigrant parents to be able to do that. This newfound shift in the way you think and the way you're processing the signals, how has it also shifted the various relationships that you have in your life? If I'm being completely honest, I have substance abuse issues. Weed, weed in particular. I used marijuana to numb myself. And in that process, I was actually hurting myself even more. I'm happy to say that I've stopped smoking. And it's not like it's easy. Instead of being able to just turn off whatever it is that I'm feeling with weed, I now have to be in those feelings and being able to open up to myself in that really vulnerable way having the fear still be there because it's really hard to face those things growing up that were tough i had mentioned sexual abuse that's something that happened to me and i guess this whole time i've been feeling like it happened to somebody in the third person like it didn't actually happen to me and that's what weed served as i can smoke my brains out and then not feel that feeling but the thing is the feeling is still there. And so now to be able to activate it, it's like that knot in that muscle. I'm like kneading it out whenever those moments come up and I can talk about it to myself or to my therapist or to whoever it is that I am talking about it to. To be able to speak about it plainly and to see it, to validate it, it's alleviating. Every time I do go into those hard moments with myself, it's definitely, like I had mentioned, it's scary and it's difficult. But on the other side of that, is me just getting stronger and stronger because I can finally start to let those things go. A day in the life of Rich five, ten years ago had a very different perspective. You had very different lens walking around, working on things, interacting with the relationships in your life. How has that lens changed? How has those interactions changed for you? For a long time, I had the wrong prescription glasses on and that outlook on my life made everything blurry. And so if there was like a scary thing present, because it was blurry, it was easier to interpret and changing up my lenses and getting the right prescription and things being a lot more clear now. That ownership of self, be it the good things, be it the difficult things, makes me see better, period. I don't want things to be blurry anymore. I like want things to be clear. I, I want to be honest with myself and that's what's changed the most and taking that into work or taking that into love even, it makes me a more genuine and honest person because I'm not gaming myself to survive. That doesn't serve me anymore. That was the mentality that I was brought up in because there really wasn't another choice. At 12, all of a sudden was told, well, we have to live in a trailer now. That was something that was really shocking for me. And the mentality was suck it up and keep going. And you know, other things happened along the way that were difficult and it was always suck it up and keep going. I'm done with that. Instead of suck it up and keep going, it's, yo, this hurts right now. Let me cry about this. Let me talk about this. And not just to other people, but myself, because I feel like with trauma in particular, I've noticed that it's one thing to understand it cerebrally and it's something completely different to understand it in your soul and your heart. And I'm working on the latter. I've always known that these things were there, but I never felt them. 
And that's that huge difference is knowing and then feeling it, being able to actually process it. And in that process, you learn how to let go. And things, when they bother me, they tend to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. What I saw was things accumulate to a point until you explode. Really, the word for it is rage. Instead of building up to the point where I'm raging at something, I'll say something about it now. That doesn't mean that you have to be disrespectful when you do, but it's really just speaking up for yourself. You know, feeling jealousy or, or envy that other people were born in situations where as a kid you're taught to self-validate and all those things. I'm learning that as an almost 30-year-old man now. I don't know, maybe there's some sense of shame there because I'm 30 and I'm barely learning this. But instead of feeling embarrassed, I feel empowered. The people that were able to receive these positive signals from the second they were born maybe have been surrounded by them for so long that it's very subconscious or just completely passive to them now. Whereas for you, you're able to consciously shift and harness the power that it has, that positive framework and that positive mindset. With this completely new and continuing mindset that you have moving forward, what are some of the things that have completely transformed or that you're currently celebrating? You know what comes up is the creativity that's found in adversity. I don't know, I used to be embarrassed about where I came from. I used to shop at the thrift store, you know, because we couldn't go shop at Macy's, right? La Segunda. I don't know, I wanted the Echo, I wanted the Nike, I wanted like all those things, right? And I, I, we couldn't afford them. And so when I was looking through the racks at thrift stores, I realized if I find this random bomber jacket and I pair that with these random pair of jeans, you know what? That's not anybody else's but mine. And that's what gives me my swag. That creativity is more abundant now that I can be real with myself and I can speak about my faults plainly, interpret them and do something about them. That doesn't just come out in the way that I dress, that comes out also in music and writing. I try to write every day now. When I was going through my bouts of, of depression and anxiety, I lost that for a long time. I would start to write and I would tell myself, you're not good enough or this sucks or whatever, right? Instead of that, I recognize like, yo, this isn't, this isn't great, but it serves a purpose. When I'm using creativity to express myself when things are difficult and I'm giving myself that empathy and compassion, they'll reach this point of flow that whatever it is that I'm writing, like, like yo, like this shit's fire because it's me. It's mine. I'm not worried about it sucking or I'm not worried about what other people think. In that moment, I can use that, that creation to alleviate any negative feelings. That in and of itself is a positive thing. So I used to hike a lot, used to exercise a lot. And in that process, I, I messed up my knees and I used to play soccer. It would kill me that I can't really run as much anymore. And what I actually set out to do this past summer was I'd always like known how to play the game, but never really got into freestyle soccer, which is essentially just juggling the ball and keeping it up in the air. And that doesn't take as much running. That's really just like focusing on ball control. And so utilizing that ball control to also take away or lessen any of the stress and anxiety that I'm feeling in my life. And that flow is the best medicine, you know, way better than weed, you know, way better than making negative choices for myself. When art when nature, when sports can be so healing and transformative for some of the most brilliant minds on the planet, it's still so underappreciated. I see so many people always talking about it, but that's always a side hobby. It's never something that people see as something of true value. They see it as a nice to have in society. Why do you think that is? I think that there's all sorts of 
different people in, in different stages of that creativity or that passion or whatever it is that you want to call it. I think those that are changing the world, that are really making that difference, identify that those small things are actually big things. Those decisions that you make when you show up for yourself, grains of sand make the beach, man. Someone could say, oh, you take away a grain of sand from the beach. That's It's still a beach. But what if you take away every single grain of sand from that beach? It's it's not a beach anymore. You know, it's something else. When you do make those small choices in your life, those things in accumulation will have you your beach at the, at the end of your life. Not even at the end of your life, but now, today. When you start to accumulate those grains of sand and you make those right choices for yourself, you got a place to like chill with a blanket or towel and look at the water. I think that in our society, we're told money is everything. And definitely not saying that it's not important. Of course, right? You, you got to make ends meet. You got to pay bills. You got to do what you got to do. And what's the point of all of that if you're not happy? I think a lot of people, they're showing up for everybody else. They're showing up for their company. They're making the product better. They're showing up for their lover. But the thing is, like, what are you doing for you? What are you doing that makes you happy? And people struggle with that. They're like, I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know what I love because there's a lot of things that they haven't dealt with yet that are too scary to deal with, be it abuse or trauma or I don't know. People go through all sorts of different things. I think that the reason that that's not something that's valued is because we're told money is important. We're told you have to sacrifice yourself for others or for other things. That's what I was told for a long time until I realized for me to be the most valuable person, I need to deal with my own stuff. And that's what I'm finally embarking on. And I got to say, it hasn't been an easy journey at all. And the journey's not close to being over. But I feel like a more fulfilled and whole person. And honestly, what else is the point of life but that? Is to feel that happiness. To feel that I can stand myself. As, as opposed to trying to act like everything's okay. Like, everything's not okay. And that's fine. What are you most excited about the journey ahead right now? What are you looking forward to the most just over the next 10 years? I think continuing this process of deepening my own self-understanding. I say that about myself first because my relationships with other folks, they're going to be stronger the more I get to know myself. You know, I've been talking about creating boundaries, which is something that's totally new to me. Being able to stay within those boundaries with other people, instead of harboring ill will, I communicate what works for me and what doesn't. And just the way that, just the way that I carry myself, I used to walk down a street with hatred and, and anger for myself. I notice now when I walk, I feel a lot lighter. And every step that I'm taking in this direction, it attracts positivity. This realness that I have with myself, which is on a different level than I've ever had it be, attracts light. And I'm looking forward to that, be it professional or personal. Talking with Richie, I'm curious if the thoughts and emotions in him commonly come up in other founders, and if so, why? There are articles and journals that talk about how cases of mental, emotional, and sexual abuse can get swept under the rug and eventually show up in different extreme reactions or have someone completely shut down, whether physically or emotionally. This got me curious about the psychology and science behind that. So, I call up our friend and visiting expert, Dr. Margaret Jones, a licensed psychologist and doctorate of organizational psychology with an emphasis on training and development. Utilizing a strength-based focus, her practice emphasizes testing and assessment and addresses a variety of issues including depression, anxiety, trauma and abuse, and anger management. Dr. Jones's research focuses on issues of trauma and resilience. 
so she can definitely drop some knowledge on us. Hey, Jeffrey. Hey, Dr. Jones. When we go through hard times and end up feeling anger, pain, and other negative emotions, we often bury and ignore them, hoping they would just go away. I've personally seen this frequently happen in immigrant families and other BIPOC families. And we tend to think this is a way to move forward, but this usually results in rage, deep anxiety, or some other explosive emotion. Why do humans tend to sweep these feelings under the rug? And what happens when we decide to acknowledge the emotions and learn about them, no matter how uncomfortable it can be? There is a belief that being strong means not feeling anything, and that's just not true. It's human nature to experience a range of feelings and emotions. People are afraid to feel feelings that are not happy or joy. I believe people are conditioned to think that any negative feelings like anger, sadness, fear will be too overwhelming to handle and will make you feel helpless or be disabling, preventing you from doing what you need to do like working and parenting, etc. Not only that, but the feelings are fear to push us deeper into a hole that we will not be able to climb out of, so we avoid these feelings and bury our feelings. Avoidance, however, requires a lot of energy. Once folks learn how to allow their feelings to emerge and process what is going on or just sit with their feelings, the range of emotions and feelings become less overwhelming and normalized. People learn life goes on and feelings are transient, even when they are intense. Feelings then are no longer viewed as disabling. Allowing our feelings to emerge takes no effort, and in fact, it can be satisfying when we stop fending off what is a natural part of real life and know we have lived through other intense moments and survived. I hope our conversation helped listeners reconnect with personal stuff they care about. We end each episode with this question. Ultimately, what's the point of all of this? The point for me is to be happy. The point for me is to share stories of triumph or, or pain. When we can be honest with ourselves, we strengthen our relationships with others. And in all of that, it's finding that fulfillment. It's finding the passion, the creativity that speaks to who you truly are and not living for anything or anybody else but you. That's the point for me. Find the complete experience for this episode at talkhumantome.com. And while you're there, take a look at our curated bite-sized clips. We put together these miniature thoughts to help you reconnect in three minutes or less. We work with sponsors that care about helping people reconnect and rediscover who they are beyond their work. Check out the special treats they're giving our audience at talkhumantome.com backslash sponsors. Also, the show takes a dedicated squad. Shoutouts to designer Lala Openi for our show's artwork and to audio engineer Mauricio Escamilla for shaping our sound. Check out their companies and creations at talkhumantome.com backslash squad. Reach out to them if you need help with a design or sound project of your own. And finally, infinite love to our advisors, mentors, friends, and family. You help us stay inspired and keep this work going. Be well, be curious, 
practice empathy, and stay human. Thank you.